0: Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. How are we this morning? Fantastic. Four of you are good this morning. Fellowship Fayetteville, how are we this morning? Good. As y'all are coming in from the foyer um, on this cool morning, Um, it's a privilege if you really think about it. What we come in here to do, if you're a Jesus follower, what we come in here to do is we really believe that a person named Jesus lived nearly 2,000 years ago, was killed at the hands of the Romans, but did not stay dead. He was risen from the grave, and that in his resurrection, he has secured victory over sin and death, and that means he is the king of the world and Israel's Messiah. We found life and joy and hope in him, and every week we get to come in and remember that story and celebrate that story and let it refresh our hearts and comfort us in our brokenness, and that's why we're here. Now, if you're here this morning and and, uh, maybe you say you you don't know that story or you're checking it out or maybe you've got a lot of doubts about that story, you're just wondering, that's what we do when we come here. We we sing because when we find something beautiful and lovely and compelling, oftentimes the first thing you know to do is just to sing. And this morning, something beautiful and awesome and compelling, it's offered to you. And so as you're here this morning, if you've got questions and maybe you say, I don't know about this whole thing, Um, lean in, lean in to the words that we're going to sing, to the scripture that we're going to read. Maybe this story can intersect your life even this morning. So it's a a privilege to get to worship Jesus together. Let me pray, and we're going to sing of the beauty and the loveliness and the goodness and the greatness of our God. Let's pray. Well, Father, you alone are worthy of praise in all of the hundreds and thousands of things that would clamor for glory and for us to celebrate. Nothing compares, nothing compares to the empty tomb and what it means about God and salvation and rescue and grace and mercy. You are our King, Jesus, and we're here this morning to celebrate you. So would you clear our minds, clear our hearts in order to do just that, to make you great. We found something beautiful we want to sing about this morning. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name as our King. Amen. Would you all stand with us? Let's sing together. So And life is worth the living just because he lives. Sing those words again, because he lives. Because he lives, I can face
1: tomorrow.
2: Good morning, fellowship. Welcome. We're so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. My name's Michael. This is Margo. We serve together on the community team, and we're so glad to be worshiping with y'all today. Well, hopefully on the way in, you got a little flyer that's got some small group opportunities coming up in the spring and in the summer. If you miss that, you can grab one on your way out. We're really excited about those, but Margo, there's one I know you're excited about that's not on the sheet. I am, it's called
3: Spectra, and they're gonna be tw- the April the 24th over here in FSM. And if you're an artist, or even if you just love art, come and join us and see what God has been telling the artists here at Fellowship. We would love you to join us, but you don't have to register for that one.
2: But one thing we are gonna ask you to register for, that I'm really excited about, is our picnics that are coming up. So for the first time ever this year, We're gonna have four regional picnics. You can kinda see it on the map up there, what area of town or the areas around Fayetteville you live in. Let me answer your first question. Yes, we're still doing parishes, but we're gathering the parishes together in these regions to have a picnic. It's gonna be on May the 7th at four o'clock. Everyone's invited. Feel free to invite your neighbors. If you have friends who don't have a church home or they're not in community, we'd love for them to come. But we do want you to register so we'll know how much food to get. So that's all that that QR code is for. We'd love to talk to you about the community booth as well. Uh, Margo, I know your team has been working hard on some incredible opportunities for our women.
3: Yes, we had been trying to have a women's worship night, but we finally get to have it. It's May 1st, so ladies, get your calendars out. Mark May 1st, grab your girlfriend, grab your neighbor, grab your small group, make a whole night of it. Go to dinner and then come join us. May 1st, seven o'clock at FSM. And we also, since it's summer, we will have women's Bible studies. Well, all of that is on your flyer. If you have any questions at all, please come talk to me, talk to them at the booth, but we would love to have you. And if you have a child, we want you to register now because there is childcare. And I wanna tell a really quick story.
2: Yes, please. Okay,
3: so about six weeks ago, we had Emily and Zach come up here. They are global workers, and they told about a little bit about their life. Well. After they got married and graduated, all the people left. So they were a little bit lonely. I mean, look, we're a huge church. So they decided to join a small group and they decided they're gonna make it a priority and be intentional, and they did. They went to Maggie and Ben's group. They've been friends for eight years. They've gone through the highs and the lows of life together. And Emily said it was life changing.
2: I love that story. And I love both of those couples. But you know, life change, That's what we're all about at Fellowship. We want to see people's lives changed by the gospel. And there's no better picture of that than baptism, which we're going to get to celebrate right now.
4: Good morning, Fellowship. My name is Trip Cashin, and this is my daughter Sutton Cashin, and she is a believer in Jesus Christ. And Uh, Last summer, uh, Sutton started asking her mother and I a lot of awesome and difficult questions about life and death and sin and Jesus. And um, it was in that moment, uh, and through those conversations, Sutton realized that she was a sinner in need of a Savior and prayed to accept Jesus as as that Savior and accept his free gift of eternal life through his death and resurrection. And so, Sutton, we are super excited and, and proud of you you are an amazing little girl. You're courageous and, and kind, and um, those are unique attributes that the Lord has given you to be a leader and a light for him. And so uh, is it your profession today in front of your family and your church family um, that you've accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Awesome. Well, let's do this. All right. It's my honor and privilege as not only your dad, but now your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Christ and baptize Baptism. Praise
0: to Well, that's awesome. Would y'all stand with us? So let's worship continue to worship we're going to be reflecting on the story that the Bible is telling, a great rescue story of, of God sending his son to rescue us from, from sin and brokenness and death, establish his son as king. And so together we come into this place to confess our need for a savior. So would you join me as we read together? Heavenly Father, have, have mercy, mercy on us. We have, have not loved you as Jesus. you deserve. We, we have, have not, not loved love our neighbor. Either. Have not, not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive, forgive us, us our sin. We are in need of a savior. savior. The story does not end there. If you're in Christ in this room this morning, if you profess him as king and as savior, church, believe the good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him we are a new creation.
4: In him we have forgiveness of sin.
0: In him we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. How great the cat
2: Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our living hope. Thank you for the life change we saw pictured in baptism. Lord, thank you for the truths we've sung in song already this morning. And now I pray as we open your word by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us see you clearly. Maybe someone here for the very first time. I ask for that in Jesus name. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. Well, seven miles is a pretty long way to walk. Some of y'all might be thinking, seven miles, that's not that far. I'll tell you what, I'll meet you at the ball fields at Mount Kessler. That's about seven miles. Start walking now. It's going to take you about three hours to get there. It's a pretty pretty good little walk. And so on a walk that long, a little company is always welcome. Having somebody to talk with makes the walk go by a little easier. And so Cleopas and his friend, they were happy when a a stranger kind of walked up alongside of them. The company would be nice. This stranger, he seemed oddly familiar. They felt like they they knew him, but they couldn't put their finger on it. And when they looked at him, yeah, they didn't recognize him. He seemed nice enough, but his first question took him aback. He said, what are y'all walking along talking about? Well, they stopped in their tracks. What kind of question was this? All anyone was talking about was what had happened in Jerusalem for the last few days. They stared at their feet for a second. Finally, Cleopas looked up, but he didn't hide his surprise. He said, are you the only person leaving Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? In other words, dude, how could you be so clueless? They started walking along again, and the stranger said, what things and together, Cleopas and his companions said, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Have you not heard about what happened? He was a, a prophet. He was a man mighty in word and deed. But our religious leaders conspired and handed him over to the Romans. And his voice trailed off. They walked on a few more steps. Cleopas swallowed hard and said, They handed him over to the Romans, and they crucified him. Those words just hung in the air for a few seconds. Finally, Cleopas said, we thought he was the one. We thought the redemption of Israel was finally at hand, but now it's been three days. His companion piped up. He said, you know, this morning, some of our women went to the tomb, and they didn't find his body there, and then then some of the guys from our group, they went to the tomb as well, and And no one's seen him. These two travelers were obviously confused and depressed. Nothing made sense for them. And what the stranger said next was a little bit of a shock. Rather than offering words of consolation or at least commiseration, he delivered a rebuke. He said, oh, foolish ones, how slow you are to believe the words of the prophets. Cleopas felt his face flush. Me, slow to believe? Oh, no, my friend, he thought to himself. I do believe, and that's what makes all of this so difficult. But before he could say anything, the stranger continued. He said, didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning... With the books of Moses, the oldest and most sacred part of their Bible, he began to explain. At first, Cleopas was frustrated, but then he became intrigued. And the more this man talked, the more sense it made. On they walked, and this teacher showed them, not just from the books of Moses, but from the other parts of the Tanakh, their Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, from the prophets. From the writings, he showed them that everything had happened just as it had been predicted. On and on, they walked, their pace quickening as they got more excited. And before they knew it, they were home. They were standing outside their house. They didn't want this lesson to end. But the stranger said he he had to be moving on, you know, miles to go and all that. And Cleopas, his friend, blurted out, no, no. I mean, please. Stay, come in, we have food, you can stay with us. And so the stranger relented and they went in and after they washed up, they sat down at the table. Now, normally Cleopas would have said the blessing. I mean, it was his home, but he deferred. This guy was obviously some kind of rabbi. He'd never heard anybody teach the Bible the way he did. So he said, hey, would you offer the blessing? The stranger smiled and picked up a piece of bread and held it up. He said, Father, Cleopas raised an eyebrow, an unusual way to address Yahweh, the creator of the universe. Father, bless this bread and bless these friends of mine, he said. And then he broke the bread. And in the moment that he broke the bread, it all became clear. They realized this was no ordinary rabbi. This was Jesus. The crucified one was sitting at their table. They looked at each other in astonishment. When they looked back, they saw an empty chair. As quickly as he had revealed himself, he was gone. Tears filled their eyes. Cleopas said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he explained things? Well, they ate their meal as quickly as they could, put their sandals back on, and headed straight back to Jerusalem, seven more miles in the opposite direction. This news was too big to keep to themselves. As they walked, they rehashed all the things that he had said. What did he point to in Isaiah? What was the psalm he shared with us that just came so alive? And when they got back to Jerusalem, they found the leaders of their group. Well, the 11 who were still with them anyway. And they could barely get in a word edgewise. They wanted to share their news, but everyone was already buzzing. It seemed Simon Peter had also seen Jesus, and Jesus was alive. That was the evening of the first Easter. And for Peter and Cleopas and every believer who's come ever since, the resurrection had changed everything. And that's what we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about as we continue in our teaching series called Risen. We're going to spend the next six weeks really thinking about what the resurrection means and why it matters. So I'm going to ask the booth to go ahead and advance my slide. My clicker doesn't seem to be responding for me. There we go. Like I said, Risen, the name of our series. And so as we kick off this series, I want to remind you about a couple of resources that we have available to us. We have Sermon Notes, which is our podcast that we do every week, where we take a little deeper dive into some of these passages. But we also have That's not the slide that was supposed to be up there, is it? Man, we're off to a good start this morning. We also have on the website, let's just get it out of our system. Those of you watching on the live stream, don't you wish you were here? We also have discussion guides that are available for you that you can uh, access to have uh, use in your community group, to use in your discipleship groups just to take a little deeper dive on some of these texts. And I want y'all to know, these texts are amazing. And I can't wait for us to engage in them together. And so let's do just that right now. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24. We're actually gonna pick up right where Clark left off last week in Luke chapter 24. Now, I've said in here before, we're not allowed to have a favorite gospel, right? That's like having a favorite kid. But mine's Luke. And we're gonna look at how Luke continues the story. Luke's telling of the resurrection is full of mystery and irony. If you were here last week, what Clark shared, Luke just gives hints in those first 12 verses. The tomb's empty. The angels make an announcement. Peter looks in and and wonders at what's happened. But as of verse 12, still no Jesus. Verse 13. We meet these travelers, and Luke tells the story so masterfully. He tells us right off the bat that the man who walks up to them is Jesus. Jesus, talk about burying the lead. The last time we saw Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea was taking him down off the cross, putting his dead body in a tomb, and now here he is just walking down the road. Luke says simply, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But he's hiding his identity. Somehow, it says, they're kept from recognizing him. And that's what I want us to consider this morning. As sort of a guide for this passage as we walk through it. I want us to consider the lenses. See, they can't see Jesus in the beginning because they're looking through the wrong lens. and What we're gonna see is that Jesus corrects their vision, he gives them the right lens. And as you heard, as I told the story just a moment ago, at the end of the story, they see clearly, maybe for the first time in their lives. So you've heard Jesus called the great physician, how about the great optometrist? He's gonna give them a corrective lens so that what's blurry for them is gonna become crystal clear. So let's start with this question. Why were they prohibited or held back from seeing him, They were obviously some of his earliest followers, right? They believed that he was a prophet, that he was the one who was gonna redeem Israel. And we saw at the end of the story, the apostles all knew them. So why didn't they recognize the very man they had been following? Well, I think Jesus prevented them from recognizing him because he wanted to show them. And through Luke's retelling, show all of us, they were just looking at it all wrong. See, we saw right away in the story that even though the angels had told them Jesus was alive, and even though they knew that Peter and the others had seen the empty tomb, they were downcast. They were failing to believe not just God's promises, but the evidence that was right in front of them. And then second, look at their own words. They say he was a prophet, which is true but it's also woefully insufficient. It reveals a huge gap in their understanding of who Jesus was. Saying Jesus is a prophet is like saying the Grand Canyon's a big ditch. It doesn't capture it. It falls far short. They also say we had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. See, they don't understand that he actually has redeemed Israel because they were looking for a different kind of Messiah. As many others along with them had, they had missed all the references references in scripture to a suffering Messiah. How could the redemption of Israel occur through a Roman cross? It made no sense to them because they were looking at it through the wrong lens. And because of that, despite everything in scripture, Despite the evidence right in front of them, despite the fact that they are literally walking and talking to Jesus, they say it in their own words. They didn't see Jesus. But fortunately for them and for us, Jesus is about to fix their vision. Jesus is about to give them the right lens that's going to make everything that's blurry for them clear. And here's how he's going to do it. Here's how he's going to give them a corrective lens. He's going to begin with a rebuke. Look at verse 25. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that's in the prophets. That had to shock him a little bit. Don't you think? Who is this fellow traveler to accuse them of being foolish, of being slow to believe? But as always, Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just rebuke our unbelief, he gives us the truth to believe. And he does that in verse 27. This is really the key verse. This is the one to put a star by in your Bible. This is the key to the passage. It says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What's Jesus doing in this verse? Well, he's taking the Hebrew Bible. It's called the Tanakh. We would call it the Old Testament. And he's showing them how it pointed to all the events that had just unfolded in Jerusalem. And look how Luke frames it. He says, beginning with Moses. What he means by that is the books of Moses. We call it the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. Jews then and now consider it the most sacred part of their scripture And so he started with Genesis. He started from the very beginning, moved into Exodus and into the law and showed them how all those scriptures were pointing toward him. And then Luke says, the prophets. This is the second major division of the Tanakh, the books of Moses, and then the prophets. Now, when we think of prophets, we think of Isaiah, Jeremiah. I hope after the last few months, you think of Daniel But in the Hebrew Bible, in the Tanakh, books that we consider history books are included in the prophets. So that means he was using the books of Samuel and Kings, those historical writings, along with Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, the 12, which is what we would call the minor prophets. He was showing them how all those predicted that the Messiah would suffer and die to enter into his glory. But notice that Luke includes one more phrase. He says, all the scriptures. And so that includes the third division of the Tanakh. It has three divisions, the books of Moses, the prophets, and then what's called the writings. The writings includes Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, but it also includes what we call the wisdom books. So Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and maybe most importantly, Psalms. And so I want us to pause for just a moment And let this sink in. On Friday, Jesus had been arrested, put through a series of illegal sham trials. He had been beaten, spit upon, slapped, humiliated. He had been whipped to within an inch of his life. And then he had been nailed to a Roman cross where he hung for the better part of the day He had had a spear thrust into his side. His body had been taken down, wrapped, and placed in a tomb with a stone that was sealed and guarded by Roman soldiers. That was Friday. Now it's Sunday afternoon, and what do we see? We see Jesus walking down the road, leaving footprints, I'm sure, as he walked talking with these travelers just as you and I would talk. And we see him teaching, teaching from God's word, using the scripture to help them interpret everything that's just happened. And this actually isn't the only place in the Bible that Jesus does this. A little sneak peek of next week as we continue in our Risen series, he's going to do the exact same thing with the disciples. He's going to teach them. This time, Luke says, from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, a shorthanded way of saying the writings. He does the same thing with them, and it's not just in Luke. If we flipped over to the book of John in chapter 5, we see Jesus rebuking the religious leaders for studying the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, but failing to see him. He says bluntly in verse 46, Moses wrote about me. What Jesus is demonstrating is that the Hebrew scriptures prepare us to see that Jesus is the Messiah. Sometimes people wonder, sometimes even believers wonder, why do we need the Old Testament? Why should we still study the Old Testament? And Jesus is emphatically answering that question for us. It's because they speak about him. So yes, those Old Testament passages were written at a specific place in a specific time. Many of them are about events that were actually occurring. The Old Testament writers are interpreting those events through their understanding of Yahweh, the creator God, as they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. But now we look back on those things from this side of the cross. We look at them and we see them point to Jesus again and again because the whole Old Testament we read in the shadow of the cross. We see how they're pointing ahead to a Messiah who would suffer and die, but importantly, rise again. And now we know we'll come again. And so we don't want to be modern versions of Cleopas and his friend looking at all this, trudging through life, looking through the wrong lens. Because the Bible makes it abundantly clear. One of my favorite Bible scholars, he was also one of the best teachers I had in seminary, he gives us a great quote on this. He said, these events in Luke 24, they're no surprise in God's plan, but should be believed. God's word and work come together to show his vindication of Jesus. And when we see this, maybe for the first time, We see clearly at last. What once was fuzzy and confusing becomes crystal clear when we look at our Bible through the right lens and see Jesus. You heard it in the story when they sat down to their meal, when Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, just as he had done at the feeding of the 5,000, just as he had done just a few nights earlier at the Lord's Supper, their eyes were opened. They finally saw Jesus for who he really was, the risen Lord. And then just that quickly, he was gone from their sight because he had done what he had set out to do. He had opened their eyes to see him. And he did it through the scriptures. Weren't our hearts burning within us, they said to each other. And what do they do in response to this revelation? They go and tell This news is way too big to keep to themselves. They head straight back to Jerusalem, seven more miles. These two people got in a half marathon before the day was over because they wanted to tell everybody, he's alive, Jesus is alive. So for the purposes of our Risen series, what does the resurrection mean? Well, let's go back to Dr. Bach one more time. He says, in short, the resurrection means that humans can have their proper place with God. All that's needed is to believe what God has promised. That quote is the heart of this risen teaching series. See, I think we have a tendency to treat Easter a little bit like we treat our Easter baskets. I bet most of you have put your Easter baskets up by now. They're, they're back in storage. The fake green plastic grass is back in the Ziploc. The plastic eggs, the ones that survived anyway, they're put away. The only thing you have left from Easter is the black jelly beans, and you'll throw those away this week. I think sometimes we kind of do that with Easter itself. Oh, we love the resurrection. We believe in the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection for one big day. So this year, I'm inviting you. Let's stay there. Let's marinate in the resurrection Let's spend the next six weeks really considering it. And let's believe the scripture. As Dr. Bach says, let's believe what God has promised. Let's believe that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament expectations. Let's believe that he really did live a perfect life. He really did die a substitutionary death for us. He really did physically rise from the dead. He really did ascend to the right hand of the Father, and he really is coming back. And this morning, we want to see him clearly, and he's given us a way to do that. We call it communion. And so as the ushers come forward with the elements, I want to invite you to really consider the resurrection through communion today. If you're here and you're our guest, maybe you're just trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. You can just pass those elements on as they come by. They won't mean anything to you anyway. But if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to take those elements and just hold them. In a moment, we're going to sing the story of Jesus. And I want you to really think about the words you're singing. And then when Kim comes to give us some glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament, my prayer that I've been praying weeks for you is that your heart will burn within you. And then in just a moment, we'll take communion together. And my prayer is that as we break the bread, we will see Jesus clearly.
0: As the elements are passed, just hold them in your hand and, and think about the words that we're going to sing. Like Michael said, the story of our rescue, we're going to sing it together. So hold the bread and the juice and think about the story of our rescue.
5: our Bibles we see you we see you in the books of Moses the first five books of the Bible we see you on the very first page in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and Jesus everything was created through you and for you we see you in the Garden of Eden when the promise is given that one day one who can crush the head of the serpent will be born We see you in the promise given to Abraham that through his family, God would bless the whole world. Then we see you on Mount Moriah when that child of promise is to be sacrificed by a loving father only to be spared by a substitutionary lamb. We see you in Jacob's dream, a stairway that connects heaven and earth. And we see you again wrestling with Jacob for a promise, a blessing, a new name. We see you, Jesus, as Moses stands between the creator God and his sinful people interceding as God parts the Red Sea to lead his people to salvation. And we see you in the promise of another, one like Moses, who will have the very words of God in his mouth. We see you in the Passover, the blood of the Lamb, protecting God's people from death. We see you in the guiding pillar of cloud and fire, always with your people, always showing them the way. Jesus, we see you in the wilderness, the manna from heaven, the sustaining bread. We see you in the bronze serpent who's lifted up so that those who look upon it may be healed. We see you in the rock that was struck so that life-giving water might flow from it. We see you in the tabernacle, and the temple, the meeting place of God and man set apart and holy, yet in the midst of the people. Yes, Jesus, we see you in the books of Moses. And we see you in the prophets. We see you in the promise of David that one of his descendants would always sit on the throne of Israel. We see you in Isaiah as one despised and rejected, the one pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. We see you in Daniel as the son of man coming on the clouds from heaven, given an everlasting kingdom. We see you in Jeremiah bringing in a new covenant of forgiveness and knowledge of God. We see you in Zechariah as the branch of David, both priest and king, coming on the foal of a donkey. And we see you in Joel as the gracious redeemer and giver of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in the prophets, we see you. We see you in the wisdom books. We see you, Jesus, as the very wisdom of God. In Proverbs, we see you as the wise king who heeds the instruction of his father. In Ecclesiastes, you are the one who gives meaning to life. In the song of Solomon, we see you in the groom who lovingly prepares his bride for a great wedding feast. And in psalm after psalm, we see you. We see Yahweh inviting you to sit at his right hand, giving you the scepter of a ruler, making you priest forever. We see you consumed with zeal for the house of the Lord. We see you, Jesus, as your hands and feet are pierced. We hear as you cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we see you, Jesus, in the same psalm enthroned as the Holy One. We see you, Lord Jesus, in the books of Moses. We see you in the prophets. We see you in the books of wisdom. We see you in the psalms. And when we see you on the pages of Scripture, our hearts burn within us. We search the Scriptures because they speak of you. We see you. We love you and we worship
2: you. the Apostle Paul said, as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. Would you stand? As we take communion together, we remember his sacrifice, but we also celebrate his resurrection. We remember his death even as we Look forward to his coming because we know he is very much alive. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus took the bread and after he had blessed it, he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of him. In the same manner, he took the cup He said, this is my blood poured out for the new covenant. As we do this, we remember and believe his promises. Do this in remembrance of him.
0: Reflecting on the promises in the Old Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, he says, in Jesus, the promises of God they find their yes and they find their amen. It just means their truth. They're true in Him. So, would you, would you sing these words with us, remembering that in Him those promises are yes, they are amen? We can sing it together. Think about these words as we sing. This is grace and this mercy. Father of kindness, you have. Grace, you brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Give her mercy in time of need, Lord. I can't help but sing. sing it out, faithful. through those doors. We'd love to pray with you, celebrate with you. Fellowship Fayetteville, we love you.